kin, uh, next kin, kin Yudzayin, it, it, remen- it talks about the tremendous suffering that was during the siege of Yerushalayim, where women were forced to eat their children and other forms of suffering. So one line is, Im hatna rucham maluchim means that their breath was set on fire with salty foods, and then they were given empty, ear-filled water pouches to drink from. So this refers to a medrash that Rashi brings in the Torah that the Arabs waited as Kalei Yisrael were going into Golos, and then they offered food and drink. The, the captives were starving and they were thirsty, and uh, they gave them very, very salty foods, and that parched them even more. And then they gave them empty water skins to drink, and they breathed it in, and that caused them to collapse and die from thirst. And this was an additional punishment, and it, it also came through the treachery of people that pretended to help us. And this, unfortunately, was something that Kali Yisrael suffered and continues to suffer throughout the ages. I was, I was reading in one author's account of the Holocaust how she witnessed how her parents and her family were deported. She said that the, the SS commander had a list of which families were going to be deported that day, and her family wasn't on the list. So they, they weren't supposed to be taken away. And as she was coming to the house, she saw them dragging her father and her mother out into the street and beating them. And she tried to figure out what happened. And the, the Judenrat person who was with them, the Jew that was with said, but they're not on the list. Why are you picking them? And she found out that their Polish neighbor, a woman that they had constantly given food to and they had been very kind to and she had always pretended to be so, so sweet and, and nice to them, had gone over to the SS and just said that a Jew... A Jew lives there, and like so, so as to act upon what she said, he went and he he pulled them out just as a you know, just, just just to demonstrate that he he's doing what she wants, and it's just a, it's something that was constantly throughout the Holocaust that the people that pretended and always seemed to be at peace with us, tranquil with us, when given the opportunity, this displayed a tremendous hatred and and, and uh, revenge against us. The next kino kino yudches. It begins the process of Tzidik Adin. Tzidik Adin is a very important facet of tshuva. To, we talk about first how high we were, how elevated we were, how great we were, how much Hashem intended for us, and how much promise we had. And then we describe how much we felt. And in the end, we acknowledge that Hashem's just, judgment is just, and this continues, we're going to see in, in Kini Yutes as well. So one, one line we say is, Va'ata Amarta, you said, I'm going to do good to you. And uh, Kaddish Baruch Hu said, I and you, you and you, me and your nation, we will be unique, we'll be one, we'll be unique among all the nations of the world. And why did you allow the wicked people to desecrate your name? And you didn't pour upon them your anger. And we say, and then we, we, we conclude that you, Hashem, you're, you're righteous with everything that happens to us. You, to you, Hashem, is righteousness. And we will, will, we will justify your actions with love. And why are we complaining? And why are we saying all these words? Because all this happened because of our our sins. <clears throat> this kina yutes is the, the ultimate tzidikadin, where we're justifying and accepting Hashem's punishment and treatment in us. And in order to appreciate this, we're turning to all the times that Hashem showered us with love and blessing. All that we've had in our lives and our history, which has been so good and wonderful, and realizing that 
In reality, that's what Hashem really wants to do. He only wishes He could shower us with love and blessing. We say, To Hashem is righteousness with all the miracles that you have astounded with us with in the past until now. But to us, we only have shame. We say every day, All we need to do is open up our mouths and HaKadosh Baruch will fill it. If we, if we, so to speak, open up our hearts, even like a pinhole, Chazal say, Hashem will fill it. <clears throat> and um, we even point out that at times, we use the goodness itself to sin against Hashem. We say, L'cha Hashem atzdaka, to Hashem is righteousness, bitam shehim tam tanu, kitzapichas bitvash, the taste that you gave us, that tasted like the honey roll, which means the man. So you gave us the man. V'lamnu b'ashaz aponem, and we are ashamed, we use that self-same man and we used it to give as an offering to the Egel Hazav. And this is a reminder to us that when Hashem does shower the blessing upon us, it's a responsibility for us to recognize that Hashem is giving it to us for a reason so that we can serve Him and we can do Avedi Hashem and we can accomplish our purpose in life. And when we use it for other things, then that's held doubly against us, that Hashem gave it to us for the good so that we can appreciate Him and instead... We use it for, for the wrong reasons. The next kina, kina chaf. In this kina, we're imploring HaKadosh Baruch Hu not to overlook the tremendous chil Hashem, which occurred during the Kharban and continues to occur. In essence, it's what we say in davening, that Hashem will bring the geula laman shemoy be'ahava. When Hashem will eventually bring the geula, it will be laman shemoy in order to prevent the further chil Hashem and to be mikadashem Hashem but it will be in also in, con- in, in connection with Ahava, with His love for us. And we're trying to, in this kina, we're trying to combine both those merits. So we say, Listen Hashem and, and hear the one who humiliates us and mocks us. Why are you hoping? The Beis won't be rebuilt. And listen to the, the cries of those mourning, and they call out, and they wait, when will it be built? So we're combining over here again the testimony, the faith of Kal Yisrael, that first look at the Chil Hashem for those who say that there will never be a Gula and the Beis Abikdash will never be rebuilt, and at the same time look at the faith and the Muna of Kal Yisrael that we continue to ask and we don't give up hope and we say Masa Yibana as we, we say every Shabbos and davening we say we're waiting for you when, when will you will rule again in and uh, this is a combination of the the, the Man Shemai and the Ahava because of our, our faith our Amuna. We also say, to listen to those who say, they say that Hashem left us, forgot us, and abandoned us, and it'll be forever desolate. Listen to our cries, and avenge our revenge, and shine your countenance on the base of Mikdash, which is, which is destroyed. So this is a, a very powerful testament to, again, Kal Yisrael's Amuna, and Kal Yisrael's never giving up. And on Mechalia and Mechakal Shiyava, we always wait and hope for the coming of Mashiach. The next Kina, Kina Chafalaf, is a very well known, very famous Kina 
it relates the story of the Asari Haruge Malchus, and we say this is on the Musaf of Yom Kippur as well. The reason we say it on Tisha B'av is because Kasha Misa Sadikim Yosim Yisrefis Beis Alekena. The death of Sadikim is worse, is is more harsh for Klal Yisrael and for Hakadosh Baruch Hu than the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash, because in essence it it continues, it propagates the the further destruction and the further Yerida. And on Yom Kippur we mention it because Misa Sadikim is Machaper like Karbanis. The Misa Sadikim also atones for Averis like Karbanis. The death of Tzadikim is, is worse than the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash because though the Beis HaMikdash is the source of our Ruchnius, our Rabbeim is, is really our only hope to grow, it's our only hope to truly change. And when they pass on, it's truly lost to us. And we see demonstrations in Chazal that the, the difference between generation and generation is so vast, it's so intense that it's, it's, it becomes impossible for one generation to even grasp what the previous generation was. Rabbi Kiva, right, the, the Kiva, the Tana, the, the Rabbi Rabbi Shimon Yechai, his Rabbi was Rabbi Eliezer. And Rabbi Eliezer said when he was Nifter that I, re, I, I, I removed, so to speak, I learned a, a tremendous amount of Torah from my Rabbeim, but I didn't remove from them, which means I wasn't able to actually comprehend and actually internalize. I didn't cover more than a, do a dog licking from an ocean. Right, so the amount of water that a dog is able to take out from an ocean when it laps at the water was the amount of Torah I was able to actually learn and, and, and accumulate from, from my Rebbeim. And then Rebbe Leza said, I taught much Torah, but all my Tamidim only got from me as much as a toothpick gets when it's dipped into makeup. So like, oh, that's the way they used to apply makeup. You, you, put, you dip the applicator in, that's how much Torah they were able to take from me. So the, the, in other words, the, the, the difference is so vast, it's incomprehensible, the understanding and depth and, and, and learning Torah. And uh, we spoke about this past Shabbos, that Chazal say that if Moshe Rabbeinu would have brought us into Eretz Yisrael, we would have been kaivish, we would have, been, we would have destroyed all the nations of the world, and the base of, all the nations of Eretz Yisrael, and we would have... Um, fully settled there at Yisrael, and we would have rebuilt the base, built the base of Mikdash, and it would have lasted forever. And uh, after being that Moshe Rabbeinu died, it didn't take us into Eretz Yisrael. It ended up taking 440 years for that to happen. Klal Yisrael didn't destroy the nations right away, and it slept and it slept, and it wasn't actually finished until David Melch killed out what was left of the, the Yevusim in Yerushalayim and whatever other nations mm -hmm. occupied Eretz Yisrael. So the full act, of uh, the full job of clearing Eretz Yisrael from the nations took 440 years and only Shlem Amel built the Beis HaMikdash. And that was the difference of one generation, of Moshe to Yeshua. The difference between well, the greatness of Moshe Rabbein and the greatness of Yeshua, Moshe would have been able to accomplish that and Yeshua wasn't. And as a result, it just kept on getting dragged and dragged and dragged. It took 440 years. And we, we, we witness it ourselves. We see... <coughs> I felt that, you know, when I was um, about 24, 25, is when Rav Shach passed away, and uh, very much that was 2001, and uh, that very much was when the the revolution of technology basically took over. Uh, it was then, you know, the the internet was like a more of a theory before that in the mm. 90s. You know, it was it wasn't uh, it wasn't widespread. It wasn't really uh, ubiquitous in everybody person's home. And at that point is when it continued and became to became widespread. And with all the challenges that that brought along and dragged Klaiyshal further down. When uh, you know, when uh, I remember when Rabbi Victor Miller lived. So Rabbi Victor Miller <coughs> even. 
now continues to live on with his tapes and with his, uh, not tapes anymore, MP3s and his shiurim. But the way people listen to it now is now comparison to the way he was listened to when he was alive. When he was alive, he was a force. He was a force in Klai Yisrael. And he, he the, the, the lesson that really sub- surrounds all his shiurim, there's so many, but he, he taught Klai Yisrael what it means to have a karasatayv. He, he epitomized the Klai Yisrael was his, his safer. And it was just, he opened people's eyes to concepts that it, it, there was no one that did it as the way he was able to do it. It's you know at at the time everybody listened to Rabbi Victor Miller. It was something everybody did. Everybody entire listened to Rabbi Victor Miller. Listened to his listened to his shiurim. They read his books. They read his farm. It um, <clears throat> you know one just to give it, a classic of his was that he wasn't on. I don't believe he was on the Mayatzes. I don't believe he was a, a part of any of major organization in uh, running Kaisral, he was a rav of a shul, but he had such a tremendous effect. And they approached him once, it was during a period that there were a lot of tsarists, and they asked him, they want to make a kinas, they're a gathering to uh, think about, uh, talk about a daven, and all the tsarists that Kaisral is going through. So he told them that I agree, and I would participate in such a kinus, but I will only participate if we make a different kinus first. We have to make a different gathering first talking about all the wonderful good that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has bestowed upon us, all the tremendous uh, blessing that we have, appreciation for HaKar Satayi, for everything HaKadosh Baruch Hu does for us. He says we're going to only quetch, we're going to only complain. If we have to, if we first demonstrate how much we appreciate what Hashem has, then we can, we can go and, and, uh, and, and, and have a kinnis for the Tsaris. And it was just, when he was alive, it was something that was alive with him. And when he passed away, it passed away with him. It was just there was no one that could carry on that torch the way the way he did, the way he 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 symbolized. And he did so much for Kaisal when no one was doing what he did. He he was doing Kiruv Chaikim when no one was doing Kiruv Chaikim. <laughs> was he was doing it in the you know right post World War Two from from then in his shul and, and and reaching out. He was doing it to an extent that it was there was there was there was Pasha no one doing it then. And he wrote books, the first, the first books written in English to, to um, uh, argue and demonstrate how our amuna and our belief is true in, in face, in spite of the claims of, of uh, the scientists, of, of evolution, and all the different forms of kvira that are out there. And he wrote the first books in English to teach why the... Christians' claims are false, and why the missionaries' are, arguments are false, and how it's, so it's, it, he 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 did it with such ease and with such clarity and with such with such command of of, of, of the topic and of the of the both in Tyra and in, in, in secular knowledge that he accomplished something. So many people were their amuna was for people who were struggling. Their amuna was was. Uh, Put on on, on st- steady ground, and for so many people that that had questions, even if the Ramuna wasn't struggling, every yeshiva bachar wonders about these things, and you know you try not to think about it. But then you read the books, 
and he 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 took put the questions out into the open, and he dealt with them, and he just demonstrated how no matter what proofs are brought, no matter what uh, you know arguments are made, every single one of them has a refutation, and it's not a difficult refutation. It's chuvase betzida. He would always demonstrate. It's a very easy, simple refutation if you understand Torah, you understand how the Torah thinks and how 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 Jews think. And although you know the. <clears throat> The, the fight continues, so to speak, that, you know, there's more and more sciences trying to prove their points more so that his books are essentially somewhat obsolete with the, the he was dealing with the knowledge of, of then and now the knowledge is different, but no one has continued, no one has been able to continue to write with such clarity, with such conviction, with such power the way he did to continue that fight, to continue the job that he began, to continue the, the effort that he was making such, such trying so hard to clarify Amunah and, and the Yisaitis of, of Amunah B'tachan to Klai Yisrael. So when he passed away, it was just, there was just never filled. It was that what he, the, the void he left never, never, it, you could just see the change in our generation and in the, in, the, in the following generations. And each one of our tzaddikim that passes away, each one of them represented something, they represented a godless, they represented, they represented a kadusha, they represented a purity. Each one of them had something we all knew about them. And when they pass away, it really disappears along with them. And the change is vast, the same way we look at our generation now. The way, just, just a, in a practical sense, we look at how cell phones are just an inseparable part of our lives and the, the smartphones and everything that's about it, right? You think 20 years ago and you think now and you think like, it's just, you can't, it's just not comparable at all. It's a different world. You try to explain 20 years ago what, what it would look like now, you wouldn't even be able to explain it. It would be, wouldn't be possible to, to give a person a picture of what it's going to be like. And it's equally as hard to explain to our children what it looked like 20 years ago. You know, we could talk about it. It's almost like we're talking about a horse and buggy. And, and in, it's the same, in Ruchnius it's the exact same thing. The difference in Ruchnius between 20 years ago and 40 years ago and what's going to be in 20 years from now is with each passing of each tzaddik, uh, it brings a, a volume of, of uh, decline that's, that becomes almost incomprehensible from one generation to a previous generation. And that's what we try when we say this kina, the kina of, Ar- of, of, of Arzei Abira, of Arzei... Um, we, um, we try to mourn and hold on to a little bit of what we know, of what we appreciate, and by mourning it, we, we continue it, and hopefully we can keep some of that strength and pass on some of those values, those morals and ideals, to, our, to the future generations. <clears throat> the next Kina, Kina Chavbez, it talks about a terrible pogrom which wiped out a city and it's not clear, the Kina doesn't say which city it was and which time period it was, but it's assumed that it's referring to one of the destructions that was caused through the First Crusade in 1096. And <clears throat> one of the lines we, we write is, we, we say is, dibru ba'amira, they spoke to them and they declared, they're talking to us, these are parents talking to their children, we did not merit to raise you to Tyra. Let's bring you as a sacrifice, like a carbon oila and a haktara. And together with you will be zaycha to the light. That's hidden from the eyes of all, the aluma that's hidden. This is the mysterious nefesh that took place, unfortunately, often during the Crusades. 
that they were forced, parents were forced to take the lives of their children. And it's not clear in the kinna whether it means that they themselves literally killed their children or they just re- didn't allow their children to convert and, and they didn't try to give them over to the Christians and they, they had the Christians kill them. It's a little unclear, but either way, it is hard to believe and hard to grasp the level of mysterious nefesh that is, the level of the, the kind of faith and amuna that that takes for a person to hand over his own children to be killed in front of his eyes when there was an option to save their lives. And uh, it was something that happened during the Crusades and throughout generations. And it was a, it was a struggle that people had in the Holocaust as well. I, I was reading <clears throat> in uh, I know this Holocaust book, the author witnessed that her neighbor <clears throat> was uh, agonizing if to entrust his two, dra- his two daughters to a Christian family so that they could survive the war. His name was Mr. Bloom. And he said, oh no, I'd never give my children to a Christian family. Who knows if my wife and I will survive to claim them after the war. And if not, they'll grow up to be good Christians, God forbid. Oh no, it's better that they should die as Jews. Let them go together with their people and let us perish together. I couldn't entrust my children to the Gentiles. And she concludes that everybody began sobbing and crying when they heard you know, that kind of struggle that every parent had to go through. Which, which one was better? Which one was a better choice? And the amount of mysterious nefesh to do such a thing is, is beyond, beyond our comprehension. <clears throat> the Closer Magrab also would tell that before the deportation, he was approached by a Jew, and he, the Jew said that, I know it's wrong. I, I know my neighbor, he's a guy, he offered to hide my three daughters as his own until after the war. But I can't do it. I can't give my daughters to him. They're going to be influenced, and they're going to go away from Yiddishkeit. And what if I don't come back? That'll be the worst fate possible. And I'd rather them die than live as Gaim. And the Close of Rebbe says that he tried to convince the person otherwise. He tried to convince them, give them a chance. If they live, who knows? Maybe they'll come back. Maybe someone will find them. Maybe someone will, 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 will they'll be, in, and they're older and they're not so young. They don't necessarily be so influenced. And the man just said, I can't. I just can't do it. And this was the kind of mysterious nefesh that this Kina, this Kina talks about a lot, how much Mesir Snefesh, parents had to simply just hand over their children to be killed in front of their eyes, to be shechted with swords and with pikes, tzidainim and kidainim, and because they just not, were not willing for the kids to have fate worse than death, to grow up without, without Tyra and without Yiddishkeit. The next kina, kina Chav Gimel, relates a story, a well-known story. The son and daughter of Yishmael Kain Gadol were captured and made into slaves and their respective masters had the idea to pair them together uh, so that they could split the children. And they didn't recognize each other in the dark, and they cried all night uh, when they thought of what would have to happen to them. And when it became morning, they recognized each other, and they fell into each other's arms, and subsequently they passed away from the anguish. And this kina is also to demonstrate the greatness and the purity of Kal that here were two captives who had endured untold humility and suffering and deprivation and they were made into slaves and this kind of slave and they were alone they were all alone with their captors they didn't have family they didn't have a community they had no support and nothing to give them strength and nevertheless they clung to their kedusha and tahara and willingly relinquished their own lives in order to protect it the next Kina Chavdalid talks about the different vessels and the components of the Beis Hamikdash which were taken from us. So it mentions Yochanu Boyaz, 
which were the, the Yachan and Bayez were the names of two columns. They were given a name. Two kingly columns that were in front of the Beis HaMikdash. They were designed and created by Yitzhak HaMelech. In Malachim, they're described in great detail. They were designed with precious metals, with copper and, and gold and silver, and they're beautiful, intricate designs. It also mentions the ten Shulchanos. Those were ten golden tables that Yitzhak HaMelech had created outside the, the Heichal. Um, it, it, it also mentions the Yam Hanachayshes. That was a, a mikvah, this tremendous mikvah that was designed so that the, the Kehanim should be able to table in the base of Mikdash, and it stood on t- uh, twelve um, copper uh, bulls. <clears throat> and these were all kalim that were removed from the base of Mikdash during the carbon. So this is a, a specific a, a, a specific kina to recognize and and uh, lament each part of the base of Mikdash that was destroyed. The next <clears throat> kina, kina chafhei, is talks about the destruction of three communities, Speyer, Worms, and Mainz. It was during the First Crusade in 1096. And it's important to understand the context of the First Crusade. Kalisrael had been living with relative peace and tranquility up to that point. This, this was the very first true program of, of persecution of Jews in Europe. The, the Jews had migrated out of Babel, out of the lands that were around Eretz Israel, the Middle East, and they had come to Europe in the early, in the 900s and the 800s, and, and they, some, actually some of the communities, uh, Worms was uh, reputed to have had a Jewish community from the destruction of the first base of Mikdash, and they refused to go back after the second base of Mikdash was rebuilt, and in Seder Hadaris it says that that some said that that's why they got destroyed because they refused to go back when when the second base of Mitzvah was rebuilt. But regardless, these were communities that had not been not been hurt, not been exiled. They came to Europe. Europe welcomed them. Uh, different communities welcomed them. There had not been any expulsions yet. There was no Spanish Inquisition. There was nothing that preceded this, except for the Harbin Beis Hamikdash, that had that had this level of destruction and and pogrom and murder and bloodshed. They had been living with tranquility with their neighbors. They, they were under the impression that the, the, the guy respected them and appreciated their presence. And uh, this, this began, the crusade, the first crusade in 1096, began a process that didn't stop. Then after the first crusade was the second crusade, and then there was the Spanish Inquisition, and there was no point in the history after that that there wasn't a pogrom going on somewhere. There wasn't an expulsion that was taking a place at some, some place in Europe, and, and it culminated, obviously, with the final solution and with the Holocaust, which was just a, it was just the natural effect of, of thousand, a thousand years worth of, of, uh, of murder and bloodshed and, 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 and um, oppression. And you see from the language of the Kinnah that they simply hadn't experienced any kind of destruction since the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. It says, Al Shnei Mikdashai, for the two Bata Mikdash, Yisoydam Kahayayim Urara, that whose foundation was destroyed today, on Tishabav, and the destruction of the, the small Bata Mikdashes and the Midrashe Hatayra. Now what's interesting also is that this kina also emphasizes that although this tremendous destruction took place, they did not want to establish a separate day to mourn their destruction, even though the kina tells you exactly what days it happened. It tells you what day of the Jewish month each one of these destructions happened. They didn't want to make a separate, unique day they instead, they, they combined it for Tisha B'Av, and it explains why. Because we aren't meant to add another time. 
shever v'tavera for a time for the destruction and the, the conflagration. Bein lahaktim, and we can't make a day earlier. Zulasi laachra, and we can't make a day later. Tachas kein hay tachas kein, and because of that, hayoyim today on Tishabav, b'v'yasi ha'irira, my morning will arouse v'aspada v'elila, and I'll I'll be maspid, I'll and I'll lament, and I'll I'll cry. So. <clears throat> It's interesting, and the, I don't. I know that that during after the Holocaust, when they wanted to make a separate day for the for to to commemorate the carbon of the Holocaust, they quoted this line in the Kinnis to demonstrate that we do doesn't do that, even when the first first of the Crusades, which was the first of the destructions of of the communities, they they knew the days, they still refused to make a separate day. It's, everything has to be in context of the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash. Everything is related. Everything is a is a byproduct of the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash, and all our mornings are all just in a way they're just a a shadow of the true the true carbon that Klal suffers from, which is the the carbon of the Beis Hamikdash, and. There are so many different persecutions and uh, harbanas that took place throughout history, and many of them we like we don't even know about. Like we know about the Crusades, which they call, you know, we know we know about Tachvatat. We heard a little bit about that, Chavaniki, uh, and and you know the different things. But there are other ones that we never heard of. There was I was by chance looking in a, a sefer. Uh, was, I think it was Jewish Harajvil, and he was quoting uh, something about a pogrom. And there were people who were forcibly converted, and it was the halacha shaila was what status do they have that they were forcibly converted? Could you be mitzvah from the I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was some halacha question with what the status of the people who were forcibly converted. And he was talking about, you know, some kind of an extensive. It was a hundred years before the Inquisition took place in uh, Spain, and it seems like he, he mentions that there were extensive, um, extensive uh, um, uh, uh, murders going on, and. Uh, then in the footnotes over there, they send you to others farm was, and what one was written. This account was written by Rabbeinu Kreskas, the Talmud of Rabbeinu Nissim, the Ran, and he writes how they went from community to community in Spain in the Seville region, and and he said that they killed anybody who didn't accept Christianity. He says there's not a Jew standing in Barcelona anymore, during that period, and uh, he writes many people couldn't withstand the test. They did uh, undergo the forcible conversion, and that was considered a greater tragedy than the people who actually who were killed. And these were all communities that were destroyed, destroyed in the end of 1300s, 1391, and we don't even know. We don't even know the name for that. We don't even know what the name of that program is. It's just, it just demonstrates when you find these things, like how this was a constant go- thing that was going on, not stop. It went on straight throughout every period in Europe. There was almost not a time that Jews were not being persecuted, were not being uh, killed, and were not, and were not being oppressed. And the, the, all these are what we're, we're being masked um, during this, uh, in, in these, you know, and the, the next few kinnas that are coming up.